How do we cover the communications of a president who lies, especially when those lies can be fatal? The traditional rituals of journalism just don't really work on a president who doesn't tell the truth. And so, what can we do instead? I'm Stephanie Lepp, and this is Reckonings, an exploration of how we change our hearts and minds. And today we're going to explore how to tackle Trump's lies with an episode from Reckoning's sister show, Infinite Lunchbox. Infinite Lunchbox is a new YouTube channel and podcast devoted to giving you a fresh take on what's going on. And I'm airing it on Reckonings because A, if you like Reckonings, you might love Infinite Lunchbox, and B, Reckonings may be winding down, whereas Infinite Lunchbox is ramping up. And if that's news to you, check out Reckoning's episode 26. Anyways, Infinite Lunchbox in general, and this episode in particular, is much better viewed than heard. So, unless you're driving, or viewing is otherwise not possible for you right now, I suggest you peace from podcast mode and watch this episode at bit.ly slash posttruthjujitsu. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Post, P-O-S-T, Truth, T-R-U-T-H, Jiu-Jitsu, J-U-J-I-T-S-U. That's just a pregnant pause to give you a sec to mentally prepare yourself to make that leap from audio to video. That's bit.ly slash post truth jujitsu. And with that, Reckonings presents the Infinite Lunchbox episode on... How to Tackle Trump's Lies. Journalism professor and media critic Jay Rosen recently published a fictional editor's note announcing a new policy. Rosen writes, We are shifting our coverage of the president to an emergency setting. Meaning, we all know the president makes false claims. We've known that for a while. But in a public health crisis, those false claims have life or death consequences. And so we're shifting our coverage to emergency setting in order to prevent the president from misinforming you through us. And then he goes on to explain what that emergency setting is going to look like. Again, the editor's note is fictional, but it could be real and perhaps should be real. And it raises a question journalists have been asking since Trump's inauguration, which has extra urgency right now. How do we cover the communications of a president who lies, especially when those lies can be fatal? The traditional rituals of journalism just don't really work when the president doesn't tell the truth. And so, what can we do instead? I'm Stephanie Lepp, you are opening the Infinite Lunchbox, and today we're going to talk about tactics for covering an administration that has little allegiance to truth, or what I refer to as post-truth jujitsu. Two quick things before we dive in. First, what do I mean by post-truth? Well, Post-truth, which was actually the Oxford Dictionary's 2016 word of the year, is the phenomenon whereby public opinion is increasingly shaped less by facts and more by appeals to emotion and personal belief. Hence the need for post-truth jujitsu, for some way 
to re-elevate facts or still somehow manage to construct a shared reality. Second, the post-truth jujitsu tactics we use ultimately depend on our goal. Are we trying to get members of the administration to tell the truth? Are we trying to expose them as truthless? Are we trying to do something else? We'll come back to that at the end. For now, are you ready for some post-truth jujitsu? Tactic number one. Live fact-checking. So in the same way that sports announcers give the play-by-play in real time, reporters could fact-check White House briefings live. Now this has actually been doing that with the coronavirus task force briefings. So they split the screen, briefing on the left, now this reporter on the right, and then now this reporter is correcting misinformation and providing necessary context and noting where the president didn't actually answer the question and otherwise doing post-truth jujitsu tactic number one, live fact-checking. Tactic number two which has been proposed by many journalists, the delay. Meaning, do not cover live any speech, rally, or press conference involving the president. Instead, introduce a delay, so reporters can verify what was said and then release whatever is newsworthy and true to the public. Note, the delay does not eliminate the president's capacity to communicate with the public in real time. There's still C-SPAN, there's Twitter, there's Fox News. The delay simply puts a small delay between the president's communications and the audiences of the news outlets that use a delay in order to buy some time to verify what was said. And some outlets are already using this tactic. Seattle NPR affiliate KUOW is absolutely sharing the latest coronavirus news with its audience, but as of March 24th, is no longer airing the coronavirus task force briefings live. Tactic number three, the truth sandwich. Developed by philosopher and linguist George Lakoff, the truth sandwich works like this. You start with the truth because the first frame gets the advantage. Then you layer on the lie, quoting specific language if possible. And then you return to the truth hence repeating more truths than lies. The value of the truth sandwich is that it allows journalists to report the president's lies, which many journalists still consider to be newsworthy, but do so in a way that reduces the risk of amplifying those lies, because the lies are sandwiched by truths. Now, post-truth jujitsu tactics one through three work when you're not in the same room as the president and his team, and just covering them from afar. But what do you do when you're in the same room as them and you actually get to ask questions? Well, that's where these next tactics come in. Tactic number four, harder ball questions. Awkward name, but here's the deal. So we sometimes think we're asking Trump hardball questions when we ask him about inaccurate things he said. Like, you said that, but isn't the truth this? Which just gives him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to respond to that question truthfully. You think he's going to say, ah, yes, you're right. Thank you for correcting my mistake or exposing my lie. No, 
He's going to deny or deflect or somehow weasel his way out of any indication that he may have lied or even made a mistake. So that's not actually a hardball question. A hardball or harderball question would be framed with the assumption that the person knows they're not telling the truth or doesn't care about telling the truth. So imagine a scenario in which Trump lies. Here are questions in order of increasing hardballness. Did you lie? To which we already know how Trump will respond. Why did you lie? Which Trump will still deny, but at least the question more accurately frames the terms of the debate. It seems you may have lied to make it appear that you're performing better in this public health crisis than you actually are, and to increase your chances of winning in 2020. Do you not think your base will support you if you completely fumble a public health crisis of this magnitude? Do you need everyone around you to agree with you and say you're doing a great job because you lack an internal sense of self-worth? What criticisms of your response to this crisis have merit? Now we're talking harder ball. The trick to harder ball is to frame the question in terms of what you actually think is going on. Because no matter how Trump or his team respond, including by revoking your White House press credentials, you've at least set the terms of the debate. And while we're talking harder ball, many journalists recoil at using the word lie or liar for reasons ranging from decorum to denial. I just say, let's be explicit about the decision. So if we're playing harder ball, we can say in our question, I'm not using the word lie because I want to be respectful and I don't want to make assumptions about your motives, or I am using the word lie because you've been corrected on this point many times and the American people need to know you're deliberately spreading falsehoods, aka lying. Vox's Matt Iglesias writes that many journalists believe that the opportunity to ask the president tough questions live on camera is invaluable and provides an important source of accountability. For some politicians, that's probably true. But for Trump, it's all part of the show. Under the circumstances, journalists fighting with Trump on camera doesn't hold him to account. It just further ups the level of drama and spectacle. Trump is not much of an epidemiologist, but he is a legitimate master showman. And even the most rigorous journalists should be wary of playing into his show. I agree with you, Matt. And what I'm suggesting with post-truth jujitsu tactic number four, harder ball questions, is that we can learn to be even better, or shall we say harder, master show people than Trump. The tactic number four still uses force, hence harder ball questions. Whereas jujitsu literally means that instead of using your own force, you're using your opponent's force against them. So for the rest of the post-truth jujitsu tactics, we're going to use our opponent's force against them. Tactic number five, the mimic. So let's say Trump just had a meeting with a brutal autocrat like Kim Jong-un or Erdogan or Putin, and he's having a press conference afterwards. Before Trump gets a chance to tell us how terrific Kim Jong-un is, and that's a direct quote, reporters can ask him only iterations of the question, tell us the truth. Was he terrific? Was he amazing? Was he spectacular? Tactic number six, no questions. 
same press conference. So Trump thinks he just dropped a bomb in the news cycle, which will make us forget about the last outrageous thing he did, by OMG meeting with Kim Jong-un. But at the press conference afterwards, reporters just look around blankly and no one can think of any questions to ask. Tactic number seven, the millennial, same press conference. Reporters are just scrolling through Instagram. Tactic number eight, the snore, same press conference. Reporters pretend to fall asleep and start snoring. Tactic number nine, the mirror, same press conference. Reporters just hold up a mirror so that all Trump sees is the face of someone who would meet with a brutal autocrat and call him terrific. Tactic number 10, the intern. Proposed by media critic Jay Rosen on day three of Trump's presidency, the intern involves major news outlets sending their interns to the White House briefing room. This is not to mock interns in any way, but to not lend credibility to White House briefings by not sending top talent. And in the process, perhaps giving interns somewhat of an amazing opportunity, especially if they're trained in post-truth jujitsu. And last but not least, post-truth jujitsu tactic number 11, the therapist. Up until now, all tactics have taken an oppositional stance towards the White House's broken relationship with truth. So tactic 11 attempts a non-oppositional stance, i.e. a helpful and dare I say therapeutic stance. The therapist questions Trump the way a well-meaning therapist might. Do you not realize that you're never going to achieve the peace and serenity you're looking for by fighting self-fabricated battles with your enemies? Is it not clear to you that you're living in a virtual reality of your own creation and not seeing the world as it is? Do you need help building an internal sense of self-worth so that you don't need constant hyperbolic praise from everyone around you? And if we're going to go as far as to suggest that post-truth jujitsu might take a therapeutic approach to covering Trump and his administration, why not go even further? Imagine a collaboration between our nation's top political journalists and our most astute political comedians. Imagine a war room with members of the White House press corps like Maggie Haberman and Jim Acosta and media critics like Jay Rosen and Lewis Wallace, along with brilliant comedic personalities like Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert and Natalie Wynn. Now imagine journalists and comedians together build a playbook of post-truth jujitsu tactics more audacious and more strategic than the millennial and the snore. Now, if members of the White House press corps were even willing to do something like this, they might certainly lose their White House privileges, but we're not really getting much informational value out of the president anyway. So we might at least expose that the emperor is wearing no clothes in a way that delivers some entertainment value. No? Def let me know if you have a connection to Jon Stewart. Okay, back to Earth. Ultimately, how we cover a White House that has minimal allegiance to truth depends on the answer to the question, what is the role of journalism? Because it's only if we're clear on our goal that we can develop a post-truth jujitsu strategy to achieve that goal. 
in this post-truth world for news outlets that see their role as getting people in power to tell the truth, holding people in power accountable, and or helping their audience navigate this post-truth world. The traditional rituals of journalism are not fully up to the task. And so in conclusion, whether or not you agree with all the post-truth jujitsu tactics presented here, or with the prospect of a collaboration between political journalists and comedians, you might at least agree it's time to get creative. And that was Post-Truth Jiu-Jitsu, an episode of The Infinite Lunchbox brought to you by Reckonings. And speaking of amazing shows, har har, allow me to turn you on to Neighbors, a podcast about what connects us. From street musicians to barbers to improv comedians to recovering gunshot victims, Neighbors hosts Jacob Lewis and Carrie Ad Harmon work their storytelling magic to show us our common humanity. You can find Neighbors wherever you listen and at NeighborsPodcast.com. And you can find Infinite Lunchbox wherever you listen and at YouTube.com slash C for channel slash Infinite Lunchbox. See you there.